This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. My name is Craig. Some people call me Axe on the other mic. Still in the fucking bathroom, Barry. Yeah, I'm still in my bathroom. The house hunting is going horribly. You know, we still have a little time left on our contract for the house that we sold, but I need to buy one. I'm still looking for one. There's still time. I'm not nervous just yet. And your wife promised you an actual legitimate room without a toilet for you to be able to record podcasts (laughs) in. That's right. All right. This is season two. Episode 40. <laughs> that was a, that was the most. <laughs> Episode 40. This is Randy from Los Bergen. I'm Mark. I've been a Knicks fan for 24 years. Hey, Craig and Barry. This is Russ from Sydney, Australia. I'm from D.C. Hey, guys. Steve hey, here. Manny from Stanford. Calling all the way from Palm Springs, California. It is a hard. It's a hard. It is a hard. Knicks. Knicks life. Knicks life. It's a hard Knicks life. What is up, Barry motherfucking D? What up, Axe? How are you enjoying not having any of these awful games to watch all week long? I do feel like good. I feel like I'm on vacation. I was just gonna say the same thing. I feel like I'm on vacation. You know? I always like have like this guilty feeling when I when I have to tell my wife, you know, there's a Knicks game on tonight. I haven't had to do that all week. It's been pretty good, and I haven't had to, you know, glue myself to the couch. And blew my eyelids open to watch these Knicks games, you know? <laughs> right. It was brutal down the stretch. My wife, last night, I said to her, I was like, hey, I'm doing the podcast tomorrow. And she was, like, disappointed in that. She was like, you, you are? I thought you weren't doing them in the off season." Hey, hey, honey. I was like, is it, not an, is it not enough that there are no games all week? It's like one hour of my time every week. Yeah, you got to say, sweetheart, just because the Knicks season is over doesn't mean that the It's a Hard Knicks Life season is over it's always a hard next life <laughs> that's right we, we got to carry that shit with us dude you know okay. how i like to talk about sorry to interrupt but you know how i like to talk about weird shit i see in gym locker rooms or bathrooms yeah tell me I've, i just saw i've been going to the gym going to gyms for a long time now probably like I don't, at least 20 years right sure I just saw something in the gym locker room today that I've never seen in my life. I want to know if you've ever seen this. Okay. okay. There was a, a large man, very large, you know, like the large, you know, men just wander around the locker room totally naked, like older men. Yeah. I can't do that, but they do that. Yeah. There was this dude with a big belly that overhang, overhung like his waist. No towel? That's the thing. He had a towel. But he had the the towels aren't big enough to fit around him, right? So he had the towel. <laughs> Would he have like a slit like uh, Jennifer Lopez or something on the side of his leg? No, Barry. He had the towel tucked in underneath his belly in front, between the belly and the waist area. So just the towel was like flat over just the front of him like an apron. 
So it was just from the waist down, tucked into his fat section, hanging over the front. So if you saw him from the side, you'd see like everything. But from the front, he had the towel just over the front of him. I don't understand. Like where, was little, it, where was it tucked? It was tucked like the belly overhangs. Like literally the crease between his big belly and like underneath his belly was like holding the towel? Yeah, the towel was tucked into there like you tuck a sheet into a bed. I've never seen that move. <laughs> wow. It wasn't a little crease, mind you. But you know what I'm talking about. So it was yes. talking. I mean, he's just walking around the locker room and it's not budging. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously something he's done. I mean, I actually thought it was brilliant. Right. So he had what no way- qualms about letting his ass fly out the back. No, nah, no. That was on full display. Okay. He just wanted to block the frontal. Sure. Even though I'm pretty sure the stomach might have done it, done it itself, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was interesting. <laughs> wow, That's yeah, it. no, I've never seen that. All right, there was some pretty cool news that came out this week. How excited are you? I'm really excited that it came out. There were rumors for a few days, and then the Knicks, I guess, just just decided to release the news that Patrick Ewing will be representing us on May 14th at the lottery. Sure, why not release it? Release it the sooner the better. I mean, this is some good news that we right, want to hang on to. Because what well, if it's bad news the night of the lottery, right? That right, well, we get- Ewing, had the, Ewing had that little soundbite on some podcast where he said he has a, had a surprise coming in two weeks. So everyone was like, oh, he knows KD's coming. You know, they all blew it out of proportion. It was just that he was going to be representing us, which is fucking awesome. No, it's great. To see him sitting behind the Knicks logo in any way, I mean, we. I've, it's been so long since we've seen him represent us. It's going to be great. We're going to talk a little bit with Mark Berman about that later. So that's a little Mark Berman tease. And we're going to grill Mark Berman a little bit, right, Barry? About yeah. what it's like to be one of the least favorite Knicks beat writers amongst Knicks fans. <laughs> Lots of KD and Kyrie rumors floating around still, Barry. We haven't talked about this in a while. KD said recently he's not going to decide anything until after the playoffs. Not surprising, even though we, according to a lot of people, he's already decided. Right? Rick Buecher, about a week or two ago, said that KD to New York is all but done. Colin Coward just said it recently. Did you see this athletic poll, Barry? The Athletic asked players, current NBA players, where KD will be playing next season. 63% of them said New York. 20% 20% Golden State, 4% Brooklyn, just under 3% Clippers. You know what's interesting? Buker said that KD to New York was all but done, but then had a separate article about how Kyrie will not be joining the Brooklyn Nets this summer. Did you read that? No, no, I didn't see that one. And the reasoning he gave was because Kyrie would never want to pl- want to play so close to home <laughs> why so it's just like i don't know the the complications of playing near home and all the people involved that are going to want things that's it's a well-known thing like you know derrick rose played for chicago and supposedly that caused a lot of problems for him oh give me a break but it's kind of interesting that kd to new york's done everyone's saying kyrie to new york is basically done Kyrie's not going to Brooklyn, according to Buecher, because it's too close to home. Well, then he's not fucking coming to the Knicks either. So where do you... Like, so so do you, you believe Buecher on KD to New York? 
But do we not believe him on Kyrie doesn't want to play near home? You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. You know, at the end of the day, nobody knows jack shit, you know. Uh, All I know is the Knicks have put themselves in the best position they could be in to date, you know, at least going back over the last black cloud of 20 years. Um, every all the stars are aligned, you know, move after move, even even down to the littlest move, like getting Patrick Ewing to represent you on the draft lottery. All these little things are are are, are great things. They're all little gold stars that are lining up for the Mills Perry, you know, regime. Feel good and, things. Yeah, feel good things. Absolutely. And, you know, in my eyes, this is just, you know, another little check mark along the path to us signing kd this summer and whether or not Kyrie's with him look we want our number one guy after our number one guy you know the knicks will figure it out you know but let's get him first you know did you see this did you see the kd and clay thompson and then a few other warriors interview video (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yes (laughs) that was here listen to this Serious question. You guys ever wonder how could I play for another team after going through this? Well, they don't know because they they younger. They got so the whoever that interviewer is asked that question, right? And then <laughs> who is that? Iguodala starts answering. Me. Look, man, this got to be the template. <laughs> John John Wertheim is uh, who asked the question. Oh, okay, John Wertheim. Sorry, sixty minutes. So, so is saying that, and you got like. You got Livingston giggling and laughing about it. You got Steph Curry dying laughing. They're like, yeah, it's the template. Why would you go anywhere else? And over there is KD and Clay, oh looking fucking uncomfortable as ever. <laughs> KD just has like his head down, not smiling, laughing, agreeing, nothing. Looks like he just swallowed something that tasted awful, and he's you know trying to grope with that. He's just like he's like picking the, his fing- picking at his nails and his fingers. Oh <laughs> well, my god. Like two guys that clearly, number one, did not want to be there in that interview. And then, you know, just, you know, zoom out like into the landscape of this whole imaginary, you know, thing. It's like maybe they don't want to be in Golden State at all. You know, they obviously don't want to be, they're not having as much good a time as Iguodala and Curry and Livingston, right? <laughs> I mean, when, when, when you're, you have three teammates joking around about how they would never want to be anywhere else. And you're not budging a smile or anything. And your head is down like you're in the most miserable place you've ever been. That's a sign. Oh, my God. It jumps off the screen. The visual (laughs) is so, so toxic. (laughs) So that was good. (laughs) Yeah, that was really good. That was like, oh, they're they're coming. I mean, Clay is not coming, but KD is coming. Clay wants his money. Guys, if you ever want to buy tickets to anything, use SeatGeek. Right, Barry? SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action. Woo! For great value. Man, I can't. This is the biggest sentence. For great value. I use SeatGeek all the time. If I ever need to buy tickets to anything. What about you, Barry? All the time yes you do our listeners get twenty dollars off their first purchase just download the seeky app use promo code hardnicks life all caps no spaces 
and you'll get how much money off, Barry? $20 off your first purchase. That's right. SeatGeek. Life is an event, and we have the tickets. Not us, but SeatGeek. All right, guys, on the phone, we got Mark Berman, everyone's favorite Knicks beat writer. I'm being sarcastic, but I will ask him about that. This is pre-taped, so I'm just going to roll it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Berman. This is uh, Craig and Barry. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. First off, before we get into some of your most recent articles... You're notorious amongst a lot of Knicks fans, as I'm sure you're well aware. What's that like? Uh, notorious. Uh, that's a good word. And no, listen, I've, this is my 20th season. I just finished my 20th season covering the Knicks. And, you know, across the last 20 seasons, there hasn't been a whole lot of success. So, I mean, if there's some Knicks fans that feel I'm ultra-negative, you know, covering a team that's been uh, out of the playoffs for six straight years and have had several botched plans i mean I, you know i there's a reason that the coverage may be skeptical but um you know during that 2012 2013 54 win season if you read my stuff uh, it was all roses and bouquets it was a wonderful season to cover it ended prematurely in the second round but you know, I've covered a losing team, and they're 17 and 65, and there's hope. And I think we've, in my coverage, we've demonstrated the hope, and we've quoted Steve Mills and Scott Perry meeting with them today, uh, and how excited they are about this summer. Are you excited about the summer? You think uh, KD and Kyrie are a legit possibility? Well, I think the lottery has been overstated. I, I think that, you know, a 14% chance is all well and good because it's the best chance along with uh, Cleveland and Phoenix, but it's still an 86% chance of not hitting the lottery. So even though Patrick Ewing is on the dais, uh, I still think, you know, they probably won't win it. But as far as free agency, I just see a lot of bad body language. I've read some stuff, you know, Kevin Durant, wants a new start. I believe he wants a new start and wants a new city and he wants to be the leader of a new team. That's my belief right now. And whether that's New York, I don't know. It could be New York, but it could be, you know, the Brooklyn section of New York. But I think the Knicks have a fighter's chance. uh, And I think that Steve Mills and Scott Perry think they have a really, really good chance as does James Dolan. And, you know, Kevin Durant is going to need to come with somebody, and Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker are, you know, local products, and I think it makes a lot of sense. So let's talk a little bit about someone who's supposedly pretty close to Kevin Durant, Alonzo Trier. You had an article a few days ago about him possibly being a cancerous teammate in the Knicks locker room. Can you explain a little bit about that uh, for fans who may, might not have read your article? Yeah, uh, I think it ran in Monday's New York Post. But I had been working on that for a few weeks. Listen, there was a lot of people uh, who were criticizing the story, saying we don't care if Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke uh, were jealous of Alonzo Trier. But I wouldn't have written it if it was just about those two guys. Uh, it was more my widespread than, than just those two guys having an issue. Alonzo Trier, coming out of college, he didn't get drafted, not just because of his steroid 
uh, test failures. But also there was a concern about him being a good teammate in terms of passing the ball. I mean, he's been a selfish player, and I think some Nick players in that locker room, even though he's so talented and even though, yeah, he may draw foul and everything, but I think it hurt the culture. You know, Phil Fisdale was trying to establish a ball movement culture, and I think Schreer's uh, style did not really coincide with that. And I think some teammates were disgruntled about how he played. And there were also veterans in that locker room who thought that Fisdale let all three rookies get away with a lot and didn't hold them accountable enough, Kevin Knox in particular. You know, listen, Mr. Robinson made a lot of defensive mistakes, but he had there was such an upside to his defense and his shot blocking. I don't think players really uh, cared much about that. But I think Fisdale... Help a vet. If you made a mistake and you were a veteran, you got benched. But if you were a rookie, he gave you more leeway. But that's that was part of what the season was about. You know, letting these rookies, you know, play as much as they can and learn from their mistakes. So, but that's why it was a tricky locker room, and that's why there were seventeen and sixty-five. I'm curious. You know, there's obviously not that that many veterans on the team anymore. So, but when you say veterans were maybe not happy with Trier's ISO play. And you, you mentioned the article, he was the last guy always to be picked for pickup games in practice. Like, who could you who could you be talking about? Like, are second or third-year players considered veteran players on this team? Uh, yeah, I think uh, young veterans, you know, listen, Hardaway is, what, 25, 26 years old, so... Um, right, but he's but, long yeah, gone. It was, it was a young locker room, anyway, but... Some of the young veterans uh, weren't crazy about how Trier uh, conducted himself on the court in terms of, you know, not passing to the open man. And, you know, there were two incidences that I mentioned in the article. One was well publicized, and everyone saw it it when Trier, on a two-on-one break, did not feed the ball to a wide-open Hardaway, and Hardaway went right at Trier and... Uh, started yelling at him, and someone told me that was a long time coming. And then one of the instances that I hadn't written about until a few days ago happened in Detroit this season where Trier did not feed the ball to a wide-open Trey Burke. That would have been an easy layup. Trier instead just barreled toward the basket, and he got, you know, he drew a foul, but the bench was still yelling at Trier. Uh, you know, you got to pass the ball. And, you know, Burke looked perplexed. But, listen, the kid still has a future, you know, with his team. And it's it's something that Fisdale has talked to him about in the exit meeting, that he's got all the skill and he has the hard stuff down. But he's, you know, got to be a little more cognizant of his teammates when they're wide open. Right. I mean, we saw that stuff, not even just on the court, but I mean, we heard about that with cheer, getting into it with somebody on Twitter, you know, in a direct message he had to be spoken to. So I guess there's a lot, a lot there. And I guess, you know, a lot of that's going to come with age and, you know, learning how to become a professional, somebody in the public eye and, you know, getting along with others, I guess, is the best way to put it. The good part about Trier is I think there's a lot of respect. I know the coaches love the fact that he's so competitive. 
And part of that, you know, wanting to take the bull by the horns is his competitive streak. But he's just got to balance it a little more. Again, I think there's a nice future for him. And Fisdale has called him Lou Williams, the next Lou Williams. And that would be a terrific thing if he's a sixth man of the year candidate in the future. So I, I think, that, you know, they're very proud of the fact that they, the kid when goes undrafted and then becomes a nice rotation piece. So, Mark, you had another article about how Dolan is actually the one who suggested that the Knicks bring Patrick back to represent them at the lottery. Can you give us a little insight about how that came about? Yeah, so in a meeting with, uh, again, uh, Perry and Mills uh, on Wednesday afternoon, you know, I had asked them how it came about, and it turns out, believe it or not, it was James Dolan's idea in late March, you know, just a few weeks ago, he called Steve and asked Steve, hey, what are we doing about our lottery representative? And I had been told like a month ago it probably would be Fisdale, you know, he's got that charisma. But anyway, Steve told uh, Mr. Dolan that, uh, well, we haven't really made a decision yet. And Dolan told Steve, listen, you don't have to take this suggestion, but I would love to see Patrick Ewing, uh, you know, be on the dais for us. So, and Steve said, hey, that's a great idea. And they uh, immediately contacted Patrick, who had to check it out, make sure that his recruiting schedule did not coincide with May 14th. And sure enough, he was able to do it. And he's delighted. And I think it's a great move. And he has 14% chance of winning the lottery. But with Patrick Ewing, maybe... Maybe the karma will finally be on the next side. Right. It's kind of ironic that the, that, you know, like when everyone um, sort of guessed that Ewing might be representing them with that sound, with that soundbite that Ewing had about a week ago. Yeah. Um, uh, everyone was, you know, head over heels about it, excited to bring Ewing back to represent the Knicks in any way. But then the owner that pretty much every Knicks fan despises is the one who suggested it. Uh, should Knicks fans be concerned? I've, I've read some tweets. Yeah. Saying, you know, like, oh, Do see, Dolan is making basketball decisions. <laughs> well, I know. The, the real cynic is going to say, well, if it was Dolan's idea, it's probably not going to work. But, uh, no, I, listen, Fisdale, I thought, was a nice choice. Uh, the guy's going to be front and center of the recruiting uh, visits and recruiting meetings. And to have him on the dais, and I'm sure they would have... Uh, you know, had banter with him, and he's, as you know, you must have seen all of his press conferences, and he's he's just, you know, a real people person. And it would have been nice to have Fisdale out there on national TV, but this is a little better. I mean, this is really tying the whole tradition that Fisdale has been trying to bring back to the Knicks. You know, he had Ewing talk to the team in preseason when the Knicks visited Washington. He's had Bernard King, Bill Bradley, uh, Frazier, Monroe, Bernard King. The list has gone on. Everyone but Phil Jackson. So it, it's. I just feel that there's something going on with the Knicks right now where they're embracing their tradition uh, a little more than in the past. Mark, Mark I got a, I got a question for you. Just something I always you know think about and wonder when I watch some of these press conferences. You know, you ever are you ever sitting with a question that you want to ask somebody up there on the table that you know is really going to bother the player, 
or just for one reason or another, it's just a really hard question to ask and you know you've got to ask it. Like, what does something like that feel like? And like, you know, is there anything you got to do special to kind of get yourself to ask it? Or is it just, you know, just no, no big deal, you know, for you or anybody in your situation? Yeah, well, there's a few players that are more difficult than others. DeAndre Jordan, he's a difficult interview. And if you ask him a question about Kevin Durant, as I did a couple of weeks ago, as we all know, they're pretty good friends. You know, he literally just laughed in my face. I mean, he was just not going to answer it. First of all, he knows it could be tampering. But um, you got to know your subject. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. is a little more sensitive than uh, some other players. And even today, in a meeting with Steve and Scott, you know, we talked about Persingas a little bit, but like the whole extortion slash rape claim, I just never, we never got to that uh, question, even though we've reported, uh, you know, according to sources, that you know, sure that it was a small factor in their decision to make the deal. Uh, I mean, the major factor is Kristaps in that meeting was very, very clear. His brother and him were very clear that no offense, guys, but I'd rather be somewhere else. And the fact that he gave them four teams uh, to go to and the Knicks decided to send them to a, a different team, the Knicks were a little afraid that Kristaps could have squashed the deal. It wasn't Dallas was not on his list, but um, you know it went through, and hopefully, for Kristaps' sake, he, he has found a place that he'll be happy. I don't know exactly why he was not happy with David Fisdale and the Knicks' culture. Uh, I guess he saw a lot of losing. Maybe he's concerned about the whole European factor. But uh, you know, so anyway, getting back to your question though. Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes you like to ask a very hard question, but you feel it's going to not go the right way, and you feel it's not worth it. Maybe you'll do it next time. All right, Mark, I know you have to run, but one quick last question, okay? What's more likely, the Knicks land Zion, KD, and Kyrie, or you become every Knicks fan's favorite beat writer next season? Probably the second one. (laughs) The the trio, I mean, it's such a uh, dream scenario. But listen, I've written this uh, at the end of the uh, season in a column. I said we we talk a lot about Zion and the Knicks' chances of winning the lottery. But let's be honest, that's 14%, and the chances of landing KD and Kyrie are a lot better than 14%. I really feel they have uh, a chance. And you saw their interactions at the All-Star game. That's real. These two guys get along, and they're not, not the most popular guys. I mean, KD, yeah, he's got his friends, but, you know, there's some, like, for instance, he doesn't get along with LeBron James, KD, anymore. So KD uh, and Kyrie definitely get along, and I could see a scenario of them saying, hey, let's do New York. Hopefully it's Manhattan, not Brooklyn, but, you know, when you watch the Nets play and you wonder, hey, maybe they're closer to a championship uh, than, than the Knicks. Stop it, Berman. That'd be awful. <laughs> I can't imagine James Dolan's reaction if Brooklyn uh, lands Kyrie and uh, KD. I think he may <laughs> just sell the team at that point. 
I think I still think it's we'd never see him again. Tradition, right? The Knicks tradition definitely outweighs anything the Nets can offer. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. This was fun. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, thanks so much. I'll become the second most favorite beat writer. Who, who's who's the favorite right now? <sighs> That's a good question. Maybe it's Chris Eisman of the Bergen Record. Great oh, guy. He's he is a great guy. Has he been uh, on your show? He's done. A yeah, he has been uh, quite a few times, actually. Yes, right. I think that's why I mentioned it. He, he, we were out on the town in Houston a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying how much he's enjoyed. That's why I came on. I said, if Chris enjoys the show so much, then uh, I must go on. <laughs> oh, we appreciate awesome. it. <laughs> All right, thank you, Mark. Have a good night. All right, thanks so much. Take Bye. care, Bye, Mark. All right, special thank you to Mark Berman for that. Uh, you all know where to find him. Listen, I, I mean, I, you know, I know that a lot of you probably can't stand Mark Berman. But you got to give it to the guy. Like he said, he's been doing this for, what do you say, 20 years? Yeah, he's been covering them for 20 years. I mean, think back to the twenty last 20 years. He, it's, it's true. How much positive stuff are you going to say about the Knicks? And then, and then if you do, I mean, is he really doing his job? If he's going to spin it that way, he's reporting it like it is, you know. Listen, I even know I've given him a hard time on Twitter. I'll admit it. But yeah, it, it, like you said, it, exa- he, he has good reasoning for why he has been negative. And a lot of us are positive no matter what. Like, we know it's a hard next life and all. But I go into like every season thinking this is the year. It's going to all turn around. And look, and, and he year. said it. He told us. Even he, he believes that that everything's looking good for the Knicks. He believes that Kevin Durant will sign here this summer. He thinks the Knicks have done a great job putting themselves in that position. So it's not all bad. You know, it's not all negative. Right. It'll be interesting to see what the articles are like if Katie and Kyrie do come. And they're winning. I guess if they're not winning, they'll be negative. And if they're winning, if they're still negative, then we got a fucking problem, Mark Berman. <laughs> All right, should we do voicemails? Yeah, let's get into yeah. a couple of voicemails. All right, here's the first one. Hi, guys, it's Big Mac. I've got two questions for you. First one, the Knicks have got a long history of outbidding against themselves for mediocre players. But who will it be this year? Which borderline G League player are we going to overpay when no one else would want them? Obviously, candidates include Moutier, uh, Trier, Luke Cornett, Azonia, Lance Thomas, so who's going to be the winner this year? Second question, we don't have too much money committed next year, but who have we committed to paying the most money to next season already? I'll give you a clue. I literally can't believe it. Enjoy the show, guys. All right, what do you say? His name was Big Mac? Yeah. All right, so let's start with the second question. I, yeah. I, got, the, I, didn't, I got the... I didn't hear his clue, so... You, you didn't you get the clue? That. He said... No. I literally can't believe it, or something like that. Oh. <laughs> the clue, Barry, is lit. Yes, yes, I got you. Yeah. All right, so Joakim Noah. Right, 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 right. It's a great that was question. A, that was a it's good a great clue. great question, yeah. Good clue. <laughs> and then the first question, I guess he was saying... Yeah, at first when he was like, saying, who are we going to overpay, I expected him to mean, like, if we strike out on a max guy... Right. What yeah. mediocre player? But he was bringing up names like Moutier and Trier. And first of all, Trier, right, you're not right. going to overpay. You already got him, I think, at a $3.5 million option, which they actually have the option to possibly get that price down if they negotiate with him. So you're not looking at him. Hazonia, I mean, that's a possibility, you know, with the way he played. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think 
He if wants to know who, who this year's Ron Baker is. Right. Right. Right, right. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I I mean, it could be Henry Ellenson. Oh, I don't know. Please. <laughs> no, we're not seeing Henry Ellenson again. Uh, John Jenkins? No, they signed him. Didn't they sign him to a two-year deal? So he's done, know, and it I mean, was little you, money. You know what? It's You can't predict this tough this early. We got to see if they can get Katie and Kyrie. It's going to change the whole landscape of the team. Absolutely. They're not going to be... They're signing guys like Ron Baker and Luke Cornett in the past just to fill up roster spots because they have at least a little bit of talent, you know, and they've got money to spend. I know we all killed them about signing Ron Baker, but it's a two-year deal. And the Knicks weren't doing anything anyway. To, so to... They're not going to do that if they get Katie and Kyrie. They're going to be filling the team up with vets. That, that, that's right. That's right. This year, you know, with the money that they had left, you're absolutely right. You're either taking a gamble on a guy that showed promise in his past and maybe something's going to be rekindled or you're just filling a spot. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Next year, you've got KD and Kyrie on the payroll. Yeah, you're filling up with guys that are going to actually have, you know, significant roles, specific utilities that's going to help this team and propel them, you know, past the first round of a playoff. All right, let's see what else we got here. How's it going, guys? This is Justin from the Bronx. Just calling in, checking on you guys. Um, I love the Mitch uh, agent interview, but I have a few uh, complaints. When you guys asked the agent about shooting those three-pointers in the gym, I wanted to know, yo, is he learning post moves? Is he learning a little, that little viewing jump hook thing? Is he working on baby jumpers? Is he working on, like, footwork? Like, what's he doing, play soccer with Steve Nass or, or some shit? I need to know more. Because, like, when he starts throwing around words, like, oh, he's, he's just like Anthony Davis. And, you know, the how Anthony Davis is the same way. And then Anthony Davis went from catching lobs on Team USA to, like, knocking down, like, these little beautiful three-pointers that look like like a fucking shooting guard could do. So I need more details, man, because I, I I can't be getting teams like that. Like 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 what what if what if Mitch actually turns into a guy who can like for real like bring the ball up the court and do like some crazy pull up three pointer at seven feet while he's still blocking like three and a half shots a game with some the, the the question here, is that how good you guys think Mitch can be? All right. Well, you know, after the season finale, Mitchell Robinson said, and I quote, I want to shoot threes next year. But that's not the number one focus. I really got to get stronger, work on my post moves, and then when it gets close to summer league, start bringing in that jump shot. So he knows what he's got to do. And and trust me, believe you me that the Knicks – did I just say believe you me? Yeah, you did. My grandmother used to say that. <laughs> oh. Believe you me. Um, okay. The, 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 the Knicks coaching staff is going to get into that with him. They're going to build up his post. He knows what he's got to work on. And, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be front and center. Yeah, I think a lot of that was the agent just just maybe overselling Mitchell well, a little it's bit. An agent being an agent. Yeah, you're right. It's ridiculous that the guy who pretty much only was was dunking all season and blocking shots is going to all of a sudden add uh, this deep three point threat to his arsenal. I mean, is there any? Uh, Justin saying like, is there anything fucking in between? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Like, what's he going to be shooting threes and doing alley oops? I mean. How about we just able to shoot from six feet away? Right. Right? How about we can just hit a layup off the backboard? I mean, there are things between 
So I don't think you need to worry, Justin. Uh, Mitchell, sent, it seems like the Knicks know what to do with him. We got Augie. You got to listen to this voicemail from Augie, dude. Hey, it's Augie from Florida, uh, and it is certainly a hard Knicks life. Uh, one thing I wanted to just bring up, uh, I was at Magic Kingdom last week in Disney World enjoying a nice afternoon with my kids, and um, who do I bump into getting off of the Buzz Lightyear ride but Mr. Anthony Davis himself, of uh, uh, soon to be formerly of the New Orleans Pelicans. So... Real quick, in my shock of seeing, like, a extremely famous basketball player uh, in, like, such a close and intimate, you know, area, uh, I reached my hand out to try to, like, give him, like, a five, and I said, hey, AD, and he, <laughs> that was met with complete disgust, and he completely ignored me and, like, quickly brisked right past me, and then a couple of uh, bodyguards that were um, way smaller than Anthony Davis, but still... Uh, a couple bodyguards approached me and basically was like, what the fuck? Uh, like I was some psychopath, like trying to kill John Lennon or some shit. So it was a little disappointing. So that being said, uh, I have no problem if the Knicks don't trade for Anthony Davis um, and allow him to go hang out with LaBitch La in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, but that's it. So I thought that was a funny story. So hope uh, your summer's doing well, and uh, I'll call back again soon. LaBitch. <laughs> Nothing to really respond to there, but that's a cool little story. Cool little story, but I mean, can you really get on Anthony Davis? He's, you know, guy's probably on, you know, he's on vacation. He wants his privacy. He doesn't want to be bothered. He doesn't want to get into it with anybody. Dude, he just got a, he just got off the Buzz Lightyear ride. Like, what do you want from the <laughs> fucking man? You know, <laughs> that's traumatic shit. I can't talk to anybody after that. I don't fucking want Anthony Davis anymore either, just because of that. Because you insulted our good friend, Augie. Fuck you, Anthony Davis. We got. We also had um, Manny, the dentist from Stanford, call. Should right. we play that? No. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, play. I don't even think he has a question. But yeah. I got to keep that possibility of sweet air one day alive. So I'm just going to play it. Yes. What's up, Barry? What's up, Craig? It's Manny from Stanford. Uh, I just listened to your interview with um, Mayor, uh, Mitch's um, agent. I have to say, that was one of the best interviews I've ever heard. Kudos to you guys. You guys did a great job. His agent's so likable, and he's hearing about Mitch. Man, I'm so excited. I don't think I've been to, I think I'm more excited about Mitch than I was about Porzingis when we had him. I mean, if he has the offensive game that Mayor um, you know, was hinting that he may have, and we got him in the second round, I mean, like, that's unbelievable. And if we are lucky enough, lucky enough to get one of the top three picks this year, maybe a couple of free agents, we got something going here. Man, I'm getting so psyched. All right, guys. Bye. All right, good call. Good call. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Mitchell Robinson is enlightening that or igniting that in us, that, you know, it's making us more excited than, you know, Porzingis, you know, when he first came to the Knicks. I mean, what does that say about this team? Right? When you're a fan of a team, you want to be passionate. You want you know, to be excited. And the fact that any of that comes out of a 17 and 65 season, you know, tying their worst record ever as the Knicks franchise, that, that, that's great to take you know, anything you like that You know what that away. tells you, Barry? Go ahead. Knicks fans are the most loyal fuckers out there. Yeah. All right. When you're on our team, you're the greatest thing ever. Right. And when you're not on anymore, <laughs> guess what? Mitchell Robinson's better than you. We were calling that man Porzingis, God Zingus. He was a <laughs> god. 
And all of a sudden, Mitchell's just blocking shots and doing alley-oops. It's like, I'm more excited about him than Christmas. I doubt it. I doubt it. Manny, I don't believe you. I'm fucking super excited about Mitchell Robinson. But I was super excited about Chris Porzingis. I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to go down as one of the greatest NBA players of all time. I thought he was going to be in the top five players of the NBA, you know, within a few years. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm as excited about any Nick on this roster as much as I was about Chris Dapps. But I mean, he's not on the team anymore, so fuck him. Right? That's the idea. All right, Barry, that's it. That's it, man. All right. That's going to do it for the show. It's a hard next life at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at hard next life. Follow Barry at Barry Dworkin. You can call us. 516-33-MESH-1. Go to www.patreon.com backslash hard life for exclusive content. What's the schedule, Barry? May 14th, we got the draft lottery represented by number 33, Patrick Ewing. The big fella. Yes. And then we've got June 20th, draft night. Somewhere in the top five is where the Knicks are going to be. We just got to see where. And then after July 1st, we will see who is coming. Who's going to sign first, KD or Kyrie? Or will neither of them? It's going to either be one of the greatest nights of my life, or it's going to be another miserable season of Knicks basketball. But for now, Barry, there's hope. Until that hope. <laughs> until, until that hope ends. It is a hard Knicks life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.